The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. What is it that stops us from inhabiting heaven now, if, in fact, we can actually inhabit heaven now. Well, many of our new thought or new age or human potential movement leaders are telling us that it is ego that keeps us from inhabiting heaven now. Others are telling us it is fear, and still others are telling us that it's our thoughts. Traditional Western religions tell us that we are not inhabiting heaven now because that's an impossibility. Heaven is a place far away from earth in some rarefied atmosphere of holiness to which only those who have become worthy of it, through the right rituals, prayers, or actions, arrive, and then only after death. Many Eastern religions tell us that we arrive at something similar to heaven only after many lifetimes in which we finish our karmic challenges and no longer have to return to planet earth. But if heaven can be experienced right here on planet earth, why aren't we experiencing it? Well, this show is going to answer that question. Plus, we're going to hear the clip from next, the next Super Soul Sunday. So be here, be present with us the whole time. You don't want to miss this one. So, okay, first of all, let's talk about this whole idea of ego keeping us from heaven. First, let me explain that the new thought and the new age and the human potential movements are all three different things. Uh, the new age movement is uh, really much more um, um, in line with sort of the uh, the the old archetypes of, of, of thought uh, creating sort of a magical um, way of viewing life. New thought has to do with bringing personal responsibility into our, our way of uh, achieving happiness. And the human potential movement has to do with our potential as human beings uh, slash divine beings. So these are a little bit different, but they're all using that same word ego. Uh, a term, a word that I tire of, frankly, um, but it, it has to do with uh, an idea that there's a part of our psychology that controls us, um, that um, runs our thinking, runs our emotions, and runs our behavior. Um, and while I agree that there are various parts of our psychology that are running at all times, I don't think there's any one part of us that runs us more than others. Although I do think that there, there is an identity out of which we can live that sort of defines how we see whatever is going on within us and outside of us. So, um, as many of you know who have heard my show uh, throughout the time we've been on air, 
I believe that the ego is but a liaison between the inner and the outer worlds. It, it liaisons between consciousness and unconsciousness. It liaisons between um, internal experience and external experience. And um, now it can get unbalanced so that the external experience weighs heavier than the than the internal experience, or it can be unbalanced in that the internal experience can weigh heavier than the external. In that case, we might have hallucinations or delusions. Um, uh, and people in my field, the mental health field, talk about um, strong egos, the people that have the strong ego. And what they mean by that is is that this is a person who um, has the ability to sort out the fine distinctions between inner and outer. And, and, and that's part of the reason why I call it a liaison, but I call it a liaison also because, um, um, there are so many different voices on the committee <laughs> in my brain and in your brain that to say that, that ego has the biggest voice is to give it a kind of, uh, power that was given to it by Freud. Freud was the, uh, considered very uh, by most people to be the father of psychiatry. And he said that there were three aspects of our, our um, psyche and they were the ego, the id, and the superego. And the, the, the superego was uh, a sort of moral overlord, if you will, that would sort of drag the ego back into place if it needed it. And the ego... I mean, the id, excuse me, was the was the sort of animalistic, hedonistic, amoral side of us, and the ego had to sort of find a way to please both sides, and that's that. Generally, is still how we see the ego. It is caught up in the dualistic battle between good and evil. So when we say that the ego is controlling us, generally speaking, in the new thought or new age or human potential movement, what we're talking about, generally speaking, is a a bad part of us, a part of us that is quantifiably bad, that it is leading us in the wrong direction, it is keeping us from our spirituality, it is not allowing us to fully... uh, uh, embrace our potential. So um, when when we think of it like that, we've, we're doing the same thing that was done in traditional religion, or at least Western religion, where where there is an evil force that has the power to sort of control us, or at least tempt us until we give in. Um, so that the ego then has sort of become our new age devil if you will it's the it's the part of us that drags us away from our spiritual path and um so when we use the word ego we typically are talking about some part of us that um is is not so good it's not it's not helpful and it gets in the way and it's afraid and it's it does all those things it wants its own way it's arrogant it's you know it's all those things that we consider to be not so good if not outright bad so that definition keeps us split off because anytime there's a split off between a part of me and other parts of me, that, that uh, you know, so I have to put that one part away or do something about that one part, then I'm at war with myself. And as long as I'm at war with myself, I'm not congruent, which means I'm not whole. I'm not operating in the zone where all of my elements are operating simultaneously in the same direction. Um, I am operating split. And... I would venture to say that many, many, many of us, whether we're in the New Thought, New Age, or Human Potential Movement, 
or not, or where we're just living what people might call a secular life, um, we are split off. We are split off between our consciousness and our unconsciousness, between what we know about ourselves and what we don't, between the behaviors that we have that we haven't noticed and the behaviors that we have that we did notice, between um, the feelings that we have that we notice and the ones that kind of come in and stomp on us without us really knowing what's going on. Uh, So we're split off. And we cannot uh, live in heaven now on planet Earth if we're split off. So first and foremost, what I want to say is the biggest barrier between us and living in heaven now, inhabiting heaven now, is consciousness, or rather unconsciousness. So that it isn't ego, it's consciousness. It's whether or not we are building a conscious experience of life, uh, a present fully aware experience of this particular moment right here and right now. And that that presence of many have talked about it. Michael Brown is one of my favorite authors. He talked about it in the book called The Presence Process. And uh and I, I really like that book and and he talks about realizing something and that means that you've got real eyes. So your so your your work is uh, you're you're to be more and more aware of what you really see and not what uh, your perceptual awareness is that and which comes from how you see yourself and your life which is all about identity so consciousness is the first thing uh, that we need to talk about and we're going to talk about that some more but before we go further uh, it is an ego that keeps us from inhabiting heaven ego is simply a liaison between the inner and outer worlds. It is neutral in value. It has no more power over us than that which we give it. And um, so, and when I say that which we give it, I don't mean if we give it uh, our, you know, I'm going to live in unconsciousness. All that means is that the ego that is trying to liaison isn't getting clear messages. It doesn't mean that the ego has then come in as this big devil who's going to take over our lives and run us down the wrong path. So, you know, that definition of ego is one of the things that I think will have to go as we evolve into the next step of our evolutionary process. Um, so moving on beyond that, uh, the other thing that people say is that we can't uh, experience heaven, we cannot inhabit heaven as long as we, are, we have fear. Well, what I want to say is uh, that this is a world where we're weaned on fear. Uh, two things we're weaned on, fear and shame. Um, but fear is the one that says, um, you know, you've got to survive, you've got to get up, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to put on this mask and costume, or these guys are going to figure out who you are. And ergo, we develop an identity based in fear. So if we say that we have to become fearless before we can inhabit heaven now, it's not going to happen. What is more true is that the wheat and the tares grow in the same field. So I talked about this analogy um, last uh, in a couple of other episodes where um, Jesus, uh, the master teacher Jesus, um, not the Jesus of the traditional mindset, but the Jesus that is the master teacher who's teaching us that we all have a divinity, we are all divine beings, that teacher. Uh, taught us a parable about the the wheat and the tares, and he said that they both grow in the same field. And when that field, he was describing that field, he he was using that field as the analogy for heaven. 
So that field is heaven, and in that heaven, both wheat and tares grow. And so uh, this is one of the things I talk about at length in the book, so I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. But, but the idea that we should exclude anything that seems to us to be quote-unquote negative from our experience means before we can um, experience heaven is is the same thing as saying we can't experience heaven until after we die. We're doing the same thing to ourselves in the here and now that we do to ourselves in the in the uh, afterworld. We say, okay, we can't have heaven until we die. We also say, well, we can't experience heaven on planet Earth until we get rid of all of our negative emotions. It doesn't work that way. So um, what I want to say is uh, another thing that is keeping us from experiencing heaven in the now is an idea that we are supposed to split off from certain aspects of ourselves. Again, um, we're talking about consciousness and unconsciousness. We're supposed to split off against certain aspects of ourselves that are keeping us out of heaven. So the idea that something within us is keeping us out of heaven is keeping us out of heaven. It's the idea, not the actuality. So, um, so that's another one of those things that sort of prohibits our experience of inhabiting heaven now. Um, the other, another thing is that, um, we, we, we believe that there is this transition thing that must happen before we get to heaven. So even in Eastern religions, we must finish out our karmic challenges, uh, and, and then we get to go to heaven. We, then we get to have, to not return to planet Earth. We've finished our karmic, um, rebalancing and we don't, we don't, there's no more lives necessary on planet Earth. We only live for as many lives as it takes to finish our karma. Well, first, that gives karma the entire power of our spirituality, our spiritual experience. And um, so I, I can't say I agree with that either. And second, that's also based in this when I will have it one day kind of mentality that I was just speaking of with the idea of we won't have heaven till we die or we won't have heaven till we get rid of all of our fear or all of our quote-unquote negative thoughts. The, those things make us believe that heaven is out there somewhere, not in here now. And that keeps us from inhabiting heaven now. So, so the idea that we're talking about here is that if it's true that we can inhabit heaven now as a daily experience, then it must be true that we can have it now, not tomorrow when we get rid of all of our fear, not, you know, 10 years from now or in many lifetimes from now when we finally finish all of our karma. Now, here, right this moment, alive, today, and that's how heaven can be experienced. And so, um, the another thing that we uh, fairly consistently believe is that heaven is a place of constant, unadulterated bliss. And that as long as we're here on planet Earth where there is suffering, well, that's pretty hard to have. So, people have come up with the idea that all of planet Earth is just an illusion, so if I can look out on all the suffering of planet Earth and say, well, that's just an illusion, then I can keep my bliss. And what I would say is that's denying the very essence of why we're here. We are here in form to have an experience in form. And if we say that's just an illusion and who needs this body anyway and who needs these experiences anyway, they're all illusions, then what am I gaining by being here? What's the point? I mean, if, you know, so people would say, well, the point is that I'm supposed to realize that it's an illusion. And then 
<laughs> what then? Where, where's your life force then? Um, so, no, I don't agree with that. And, of course, you can argue about that or, or disagree. Your, your job is to figure out what you believe, not what I believe. But I'm going to put forth what I believe, so I'll give you some thoughts to think about as you process through that. So, um, so when we when we think in that way that we must split off again, that's a split off. When we think in that way of uh, all that out there is just an illusion, that's a split off. I'm splitting off my conscious experience from my my daily routine. I realize that that world out there is there, but I'm not going to watch any TV. I'm not going to listen to any radio. I'm not going to do anything that brings quote unquote negativity into my experience because if that happens, I've lost my bliss and therefore I'm not living rightly. So we've attached the idea of some notion of bliss to heaven. Now, what I don't want to say is that heaven lacks bliss. What I do want to say is anything we attach to it brings it down. Okay, anything we attach to it says this is how it's supposed to look, act, walk, tack, talk, quack. This is what it's supposed to be like. And if it's not like this, then it must not be heaven. So we're deciding what heaven is instead of surrendering to the now, the experience of the now, the presence with now as heaven. And that gets in the way of us being able to really experience heaven now. So those are the things that uh, that aren't aren't true. And uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some of the things that are true about heaven. Um, but I want you to keep in mind, it's not ego. It's not our fears. It's not our negativity. It's not our, our the, the illusion of planet Earth. It's not waiting until the karma is finished. It's not any of those things. Those things are not the things that are going to help us to experience heaven now. Okay? So keep that in mind. We're going to take a break now, and we'll be back in just a moment with more Authentic Living. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. There are a lot of questions about psychic reading and messages from beyond and what they say to us and about us. Join hosts Pat Nelson and Bryce Korzanowski for Illuminating You. Our program will answer many of the questions that you may have and others will have. Our guests discuss and share their personal stories of triumph over trauma. We'll talk about all aspects of healing, living as a part of nature, and other psychic and medium topics. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. What is most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths. Utilizing as your text writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, the coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, and then, if they wish, to take healing, help, and wisdom to others. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time. And all you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about why it, what it is that stops us from inhabiting heaven now. And what we've already said is that it is not our ego that stops us. It is not our fear that stops us. It is not uh, karma that stops us. It is not uh, waiting until the illusions are over and we've landed someplace else where there are no illusions. It's not any of those things. What keeps us from inhabiting heaven now is what I call the duality trance state. So the duality trance state is one in which we believe that we are separate from the divine and we have established for ourselves all manner of proofs to make that so. So we believe that we are bad people and that the divine is good and and there is therefore a chasm, a wide chasm between us and him, quote unquote, in the Western religion or her or it in any other religions. Um, So we, we have proven that by our behaviors that are quote-unquote bad or even all the way to evil. We have proven that by showing that we can be good people instead of bad people. So we've polarized and polarized and polarized and polarized these concepts until they have begun to dominate our entire living uh, experience. So everything in life is seen as either good or bad, not necessarily morally good or bad, but good or bad in some way. So the beans I ate last night were bad. Uh, the beans I ate last night were good. Um, 
you know, we apply to everything, including our, our, uh, our past, our present, our future, our, um, our past lovers, our, our, our friendships, our interactions with our work, our, our daily routine in any kind of way. Getting up in the morning is either good or bad. We have compartmentalized every experience of life into one of those two very, Broadly narrow categories. Okay. So, uh, so that's how we've chosen to live. And we live that way because of a duality trance state. And those of you who've been listening to the show for a while know that I believe that that started metaphorically in our very beginning as a part of our process of creativity. So we are here, uh, to accomplish the union of form and formlessness. We came here, we, we as Elohim, the many gods, we came here and put ourselves in form. And once we got into form, the question was, now that form is made, is it separate from formlessness? And we've been trying to answer that question through experience ever since. We're not answering it intellectually. We're not answering it like a right and wrong question on a test. We're answering it through our experience. And that is actually what the word, the tree of knowledge, means. First, uh, knowledge has its uh, doth, and then uh, some other words that come after that in, in terms of the root language. And they it ultimately mean um, not only knowledge that is experiential knowledge, a kind of divination, if you will, but also the revelation of the self. In other words, revealing the self to the self. So um, what's happening with that metaphorical tree of knowledge of quote-unquote good and evil is that through experience, we have to come to understand that there is no such thing as good and evil. Not good or evil, but good and evil. There's no such thing as good and there's no such thing as evil. Those are concepts we've made up to interpret life. So if somebody kills somebody, we say he was bad or maybe even evil. And we define him according to that label because that allows us to just kind of dismiss it. Oh, we don't have to think about that anymore. We don't have to understand. We don't have to be, go any further than to say that was evil. And we can wash our hands of it. Poor people that got hurt, sorry for them, but you know, that's just evil. We don't have to think about that anymore. Gave it a label, we're done. And that's an un that's a way of not being present. I was gonna say unpresenced. <laughs> I guess that's a word I just coined. But it's a way of not being present with the reality of what we're experiencing. And that is not inhabiting heaven. Anytime we're choosing to not experience the fullness of life that is before us, we're choosing to not experience our heaven that is always right there inside of us, in fact, is us. So when we, when we give something a label and we say that's how it is, then we're done. If I can say, well, that was good. They did that. That was really good. My, my uncle gave money to this charitable organization, and that was good. That makes him a good person, at least for today. <laughs> he's a good person and uh, yeah so now we've defined that we've said what that was we don't have to explore whether it came from compassion or duty or guilt or any of the other options we just can say that was a good deed he did a good thing it's very similar to the way we look at anger I've worked with, with uh, clients over the years who will tell me well I wasn't angry I didn't hit anybody 
And I said, well, okay, the anger you're talking about has to do with behavior. So you can, you know that you're angry when you hit someone. Do you know that you're angry when you feel angry? Very often they don't. And that's because it's sitting down in there boiling until it overflows and then you hit somebody. Um, but it, the anger was there all along. It got, it was not just, you know, you didn't just suddenly impulsively hit somebody. The anger was in there all along. It was the same thing with our, with our divinity. Our, it's in there all the time. But we don't always experience it. And sometimes it boils over and becomes an epiphany. And we are enlightened for a minute. And then it goes away again. And we go, well, I wish I could have kept that experience. But nope, it's over now. So I guess I'll go back to the mundane world and live my routine like I always have. And uh, so we don't have a life-changing experience until we allow an experience to change our lives. I'm going to say that again. We don't have a life-changing experience until we allow an experience to change our lives. And by changing our lives, I mean changing that thing that we do in our um, behavior, in our uh, external life out there, in our internal life in here, in all that we are, in all that we can live into. So um, when, when, we're, when we live in the duality trance state, what's happening is we see ourselves as unworthy of being uh, in presence with the divine. So we are, we can't, the divine cannot be in the same room with us because the divine thinks we stink. All right. That's how we need to think about it. It's a great analogy. You stink. I can't be around you. You go stay in that other room or get yourself a bath. That's kind of what we see the divine saying to us. And so we've devised many methods of getting ourselves a bath. We, we, um, have certain prayers in certain religions that we can say that will give us that bath. We have certain rituals in other religions that will get us that bath. We have certain ways of behaving in other religions that will get us that bath. And once we've had the bath, we believe that we're clean now and maybe we can have at least some similitude of a, of a relationship with the divine. Okay, that's nice. But then what happens when we get dirty again? Do we lose the relationship with the divine again? That's where we're sort of stuck. Now, in some religions, they say there's a statement, particularly in the South, where once, once saved, always saved. So and that's a traditional um, Christian religion where once you have accepted what they call, uh, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you cannot ever be, um, you can't ever go to hell. You don't have to worry about that. You're going to go to heaven now when you die. But while you're here on earth, you still have to really pay attention to your morals. You still have to really monitor what you're doing so that you can, you can stay in association with the divine. And in some instances, there's a statement that says, and until you've forgiven others, you, the divine wants nothing to do with you. Not going to hear your prayers. So these are all the ways that we've sort of designed um, puzzle pieces in our mind to explain why it is that we feel separate from the divine. Well, we feel separate from the divine because we're hypnotized into a state in which we see ourselves as separate from the divine, and therefore our feelings follow. So at the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, we all agreed to say, let's experience this whole journey of what it's like to feel as if we're separate from the divine so that we can put that to rest for all time and for the entire universe. And when we're done with that experience, we will know not only that there's no good and evil, but we'll also know that there is no distinction between form and formlessness. 
That's right. Quantum physics is beginning to understand in that right now that there is no distinction between form and formlessness. Form is formlessness and formlessness is form. And, and as we see that in the spiritual world, we begin to put together that piece. And if once all of us see that, that will be the quote unquote second coming to earth. And it won't be Jesus Christ coming down on a cloud. It'll be us coming again into our own as Elohim both in form and in formlessness this time, not just in form. So that's the process, and it's all a creative endeavor. We all agreed to take it. We all bravely agreed to take it. Take it. And as we, as we experience little pieces of something that our soul needs in one lifetime, it carries that learning to, with us into the next lifetime. And then we get some other little piece in the next lifetime and we carry that with us in the next life, into the next lifetime. And so what that means is that karma isn't even what we think it is because karma is all uh, caught up in the duality trans state as well. At least our de- current definition of it is. We believe that karma has to do with good and bad deeds. So as long as I've done some bad deeds, I'm not done yet. I'm going to have to come back to another life. And when I come back to that life, I'm going to have to undo what I did in the previous life or live out another karmic uh, incident again. So I'm either getting rewarded or um, punished, sort of, in with by karma in throughout my lifetimes, and uh, and that is a dualistic framework for karma. And of course, since we're all in the duality trance trance state, it's no surprise that we see karma, like everything else, as fitting into the dual dualistic design we have on our life on planet earth so when we when we uh when we talk about duality in terms of of light and dark um day and night goodness and badness form and formlessness what we're saying is there's a split these two things are not united there's a split they're different and they cannot be the same and when we understand the union of form and formlessness the union of good and evil the union of day and night the union of light and dark then we begin to see that we are divine beings, and that is when we inhabit heaven now. So can I today really inhabit heaven now? Absolutely I can. How do I do that? I am present with my life. Okay, so the other option in the Garden of Eden was the tree of life. Um, Charles Fillmore tells us that the trees uh, were symbolic for thoughts, essences of, of, of understanding that's what a thought is. So it's an essential kind of understanding. So we can understand life from a dualistic perspective or we can understand life from the life perspective. And we chose to understand it from the dualistic perspective. But that doesn't mean that the tree of not life is not available to us anymore, as many of the Western traditions think. It means that uh, we can awaken to the life that is the tree of life, the the understanding of life that is life. So what in the world does that mean? That sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook. What that means is that life is happening right now inside of me and outside of me, and they are one and the same. And I can experience my life from the perspective of separation from the divine, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or I can experience my life from the perspective that life is fully alive, moving, growing, changing, transforming, uh, just teeming with vital energy inside of me all the time and outside of me simultaneously all the time. So there's nothing that isn't fully 
alive. And I can spend my lifetime, my moments being present with that fullness or I can be present with emptiness. The interesting thing as Buddha uh, taught us is that the more we go into the emptiness, the more we find the fullness. And that is the union of opposites that uh, Carl Jung spent a lot of time talking about. That is, uh, we cannot be whole until we unite the opposites within us. And that is the process of integration, which is very, very similar to the process that is heaven right here, right now on planet Earth. A process of evolution where we become deeper and deeper and deeper evolved into full awareness that life is just so full and meaningful constantly. And we can be in that. We can be in that on a daily basis if we choose. Um, Is there work involved? Yeah, but it's not really our work to do. It's the work of our soul. And the soul is the same as the divine self. The divine self is the same as the as, as heaven. They all are synonymous terms. But that work is being generated, originated within us all the time. You see, we, we, we have formulated for ourselves a rather plastic God. A God that sort of doesn't move until we tell him to. A God that has an on and off button. And, and in that process, we, we sort of feel like we're in charge of that, that God. And that God's going to do only what we tell it to do and only if we tell it in certain ways. And, uh, but that's not really the truth. The truth is that energy is teeming inside of us all the time, creating new possibilities and new, uh, orientations all the time. We just have to turn around and look at it. And even that process is soulful. So we're going to talk some more about that and hear Oprah's clip for the next Super Soul Sunday in the next uh, segment of the show. So you want to be here for that. Got just a little bit more to go when we talk about how it is that we are not inhabiting heaven right now if we actually can. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with hosts Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so we've said today that uh, we don't not experience heaven on planet Earth right now. We don't miss out on inhabiting heaven now because of fear. We don't miss out on inhabiting heaven now because of ego. We don't miss out on inhabiting heaven now because we have to wait for karma, all of our karmic um, debts to be paid. We don't miss out on it because heaven is a place far away in some rarefied atmosphere where we go after we die. We, we don't miss out on it because life is an illusion and uh, we're supposed to sort of put that illusion away and sort of live in bliss here. We don't li- miss out on heaven because of that either. Uh, and we've also said that the reason we do miss out on heaven is because we live in what's called a duality trance state in which we think that we're separate from the divine and we have behaved out of that for centuries, actually doing great harm to each other and um, very uh, uh, things that we would consider to be evil things to each other um, as, a, as a part of that experience of good and evil so that we can see that Actually, there is no good or evil. There are just the choices we make to live out that belief that we're separate from the divine. So that process brings us to our creative potential, which is to finish the process we started eons ago as Elohim when we created ourselves anew as form. Uh, When we come to the end of that journey, we will be form and formlessness as one. There will be no more opposites. Everything will be one. And um, so what that will look like as form and formlessness simultaneously, I suspect, will look a lot like it looks now to the eyes of a quantum physician. But uh, we don't see it that way most of the time. We see uh, empirical data as in the five senses. Uh, if I can see it, taste it, smell it, uh, or touch it, then it must be real. Otherwise, it's not real. And um, so that's the way we live out that uh, experience of form. But when we live it from the perspective of uh, united opposites where form and formlessness are one, perhaps we will both be able to see ourselves as the multitude of molecules and uh, quarks and whatever comes below that uh, and come in and out of form. I'm not sure what that will look like, but it will be interesting, don't you think? But in the meantime, we can still experience heaven right here and right now because the truth is we are form and formlessness simultaneously. Um, So how would we know if we're experiencing heaven now? How would we know that? If I've already said that bliss is not necessarily what heaven is all about, what is heaven all about? And if if does, does this include suffering? Well, it does include life. Not necessarily suffering, uh, although I will say that when uh, Jesus, again, the person we're using in this book, Inhabiting Heaven Now, um, as an example, is Jesus, not because those examples aren't in other sacred texts around the world, the uh, Sufi and Buddhist Sufi, uh, sutras, or the Bhagavad Gita, or the Gnostic texts, or other sacred texts, um, it's not because it can't be found there, it's because that 
the story of Jesus as it is traditionally told tells us that we are separate from the divine. And that is why I've chosen to use this book to prove that Jesus said we are not separate from the divine. So um, the story of Jesus as a person not separated from his own divine nature, as an example to all of us that we can live fully alive in our divine nature, um, does not show us a story of a person who, who um, did not live life with all of its accoutrements. Um, it does not tell us a story like that. It tells us a story of someone who knew how to heal, who knew how to raise from the dead, who knew how to love, who knew the difference between a rule and compassion, who knew the difference between guilt, duty, and compassion, who understood life at its deepest essence. And um, when it comes to the death of Jesus on the cross, many people make that the most important aspect of his life. I actually think that was just the end of that um, incarnation, and that's how it happened because politically he was not considered to be a very um, – he was threatening to the government. So um, so what, what, what Jesus meant in terms of, of, of in the idea of inhabiting heaven now – is very different from what he means to tra- tradi- traditional religion. And that brings us to uh, what we're going to talk about at the clip when we get to uh, Oprah Winfrey's clip of, the, uh, of her next upcoming Super Soul Sunday where she's going to interview Rob Bell, who is uh, one of my favorite authors, one of the first Christians to ever say that there's no such thing as hell. Um, I really admired his bravery for coming out of the sort of Christian closet to to literally say uh, there is no hell and to put it in a book that it uses the actual Bible translation of certain words to to prove that there is no hell. Um, and this book, uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now, uses some of those same words but also uses uh, from the actual text, not from Rob Bell's book, but uh, – those same words to say the same thing, only with some additional information um, that has to do with uh, what really heaven actually is. So uh, Oprah sits down with, with this best-selling author, Rob Bell, on her next episode of Super Soul Sunday, this Sunday, November the 3rd at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. He's described by time as one of the most influential Christian leaders in the country. Rob Bell joins Oprah this, to explore his latest book, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, and discuss why more and more people are identifying with spirituality over religion. At age 28, Bell founded Mars Hill Bible Church in Michigan, which became one of the fastest-growing megachurches in America. While his progressive interpretation of the Bible has been embraced by many, it has also become a point of contention for others as it considers new ways of thinking about religion and spirituality. Let's listen now for the clip of that interview. There is nothing else on television like Super Soul Sunday. We're wired for the mysterious. Sunday. This is when I knew you were a different kind of preacher. Oprah and the Man Time Magazine named one of the most influential people in the world. Pastor and best-selling author Rob Bell. His unique take on faith and spirituality. We're all kind of taking a leap in the end, aren't we? When it comes to spirituality, this is the missing piece. Super Soul Sunday. All new this Sunday, 11 a.m., 10 Central. Only here. 
Yeah, be there for that. This coming up Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific. Um, I watch that show every week. Uh, it's a very nice interlude on a Sunday morning with a cup of coffee in your jammies. So <laughs> go listen to that on the OWN Network. And if you don't know where the OWN Network is, you can go to the Oprah, uh, Oprah.com and uh, put in your zip code, and they will tell you what station you can find OWN on. So um, I, I really encourage you to be there for that. And Rob Bell is significant in that he is he is a Christian and actually a preacher who is a Christian, who is telling us something new about what we've believed traditionally about heaven and hell and now about God, about how we define God. And um, and another influential Christian that is moving thought around the world is our new Pope, Pope Francis, who has decided that uh, um, gay people are okay and uh, that uh, there's all kinds of other sort of codes that have been put out by the Catholic Church that might need to be reconsidered. Um, so these are people that are making a difference. And why is that? Because we're in an age where consciousness is rising and rising and rising. We're experiencing more and more of our truest nature, our divine nature, actually, um, to to bring us to full awareness. So uh, these concepts are discussed in the book uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now as well. Um, and I go into a great deal of depth in the book about how it is that there is no such thing as hell how it is that there's no such thing as evil, how it is that there's no such thing as um, uh, an illusion that is planet Earth, um, and, and, and to really help people understand what it is to be living in heaven now. Um, when I said a little while ago that when Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares, both the tares and the wheat were in heaven. They were in the kingdom of heaven. And that is the experience of heaven right here on planet Earth. The, the fear that we said in the beginning of the show was not a block to us experiencing having. It can't be a block because it's just a part of an identity with duality. So if I'm afraid, it's because I've identified with duality in some form that I believe I'm not safe, I'm not okay, things are going to be hard, I've predicted a future for myself and an outcome for certain events, and and so I'm afraid. And that that is that is that part of me that is still in the duality trance state and that is that part is seeking union with the part of me that is divine self and the part of me that is divine self is seeking union with the, with that part of me that is afraid so we're not trying to get rid of our fears, which is what many, many of our spiritual teachers are teaching. And I, I just, I really don't believe we're going to step into the next phase of our spiritual evolution as long as we keep telling people who are listening to us that we need to uh, find a way to separate ourselves from various aspects of ourselves. That we're not bringing consciousness into reality when we tell ourselves to split off yet further. So when we say, oh, overcome your fears, or until you overcome your fear, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, or, or you won't have that thing you desire until you overcome your fear, or you won't, we're, we're, we're living in fear by saying that, <laughs> that we're so afraid of fear. We've made fear the enemy. So it doesn't have to go away. It's a tear in the same field as the wheat. And when the tears get taken out of the ground finally and thrown into the furnace typically translated to mean that uh, we're that they're going to hell that those are the bad people who are going to hell what we uh, what we're missing out on is the fact that the real meaning of that word furnace in Greek is not uh, hell 
or punishment or anything eternal whatsoever. It's a furnace that cooks bread, that uh, changes metal to its core, that um, finishes the, uh, the pottery that was started um, with a piece of clay. So it is, it is the finisher. It is the transforming finisher. That's what's happening. So when the tares get torn out of the ground and thrown into the furnace, they're not going to hell to be punished forever. They're being transformed into what? Into completion, which is the ultimate goal of our, our lives here on earth. We are to become complete. We are to complete, to finish what we started when we started eons ago as Elohim creating ourselves anew as form. We're supposed to finish the process of uniting form with formlessness. That's what we're supposed to do. And when the tares get thrown into that furnace, they're not, it's not punishing certain people. It's taking aspects of ourselves. Me as an individual, I have tares and wheat growing in my kingdom of heaven. And when, when the tares are removed and thrown into the, into the furnace, they're being transformed. What into what? Into union with my divine self. That's what's happening. There is nothing that isn't transformation. There is nothing that isn't transformation. We are always transforming more and more and more over time. What are we transforming into? Fully aware people. People whose consciousness is expanded to include who we are. Not to cast out who we are in the name of duality. Not to cast out duality in the name of heaven. But to merge the two. That's what it's all about. That's what Carl Jung talked about. That's what all the great masters talk about, is putting the two together. So that uh, um, in uh, the Buddha said, there is real self in no self. People talk about the concept of no self in the Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist philosophy. Well, no self is a place where we go, not really a literal place, a metaphorical place where we go to be present with the self <laughs> and and we just we, when we start talking in those terms we think oh well no self means that i'm supposed to eliminate myself and be just one with everyone else and not have a self no there is real self in no self there is light in darkness there is day in night there is night in day there is good in evil and evil in good there are one and the same and everything is united because all things are one thing. And that one thing is divine self. It is Elohim. It is the beginning and the end of all things. It is the divinity that is the only thing that there is. So inhabiting heaven now means fully being alive to all of it. Not just the wheat, but also the tares. So the funniest thing is, when I sit down with my fear or my sorrow or my anger or those things we think are keeping us from experiencing heaven, they evolve. They transition into a peaceful place where they're being nurtured and loved on. That, that is what happens when we sit down with them. That is experiencing heaven now. So, so this process is one in which we tune in to what is actually going on inside of us. And that brings us to our next week's episode where we're going to interview Sonia Choquette about her book, Tune In, Let Your Intuition Guide You to Fulfillment and Flow. 
that's just another part of our countdown to heaven. And uh, in the following week, we'll talk some more about what it is to be in heaven. And then the week after that, we're going to interview Bruce Lipton on his book, Honeymoon Effect. So you want to be here for this uh, process, this countdown to heaven. And don't forget, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.